Usually I would record this in the dead of the night over a bottle of whiskey and a few smokes. But this is a different kind of episode. So I'm recording right now and you might hear a few disturbances in the background. I'm not sure what it is you might hear, but you will hear the sound of life. Okay? People living their lives. So please excuse the noise if you hear any. Today we're going to record over tea. Yeah. This is my second cup this morning. And not that I am done being a whiskey person, but it's still whiskey for me. This morning it's just tea. I think I've only spoken about my father once in all my recordings, which is not a lot anyway, but I might have spoken about him just once. I want to dedicate this episode to my father. So let me tell you about my father, the creator. My earliest memories of him this is in no particular order so um, when I try to think as far back as I can remember I'll think back to a day when it was my birthday very early in the morning I think it was about 5.30 or 6 I woke up to presents from my dad and naturally I was excited so I opened them there were two things he got me that day the first one and this is weird don't judge me don't judge him okay um the first was a toy gun a gun yeah i don't know if he already knew that i i loved guns or it was that gift that sparked the love i have for guns today but yeah that was the first gift and I, I couldn't stop playing with it. The second thing he got me was was a book, a storybook. And I think that is where the love for reading started for me. Or maybe he just observed that I had a creative mindset and he wanted to, you know, keep it lit by buying me different storybooks but i don't know which came first i just know that he got me a gun and a book that day and it's weird because if you back in the days growing up um we used to have this debate in school um the pen is greater than the sword or the sword is greater than the pen type of debate and uh we used to argue in favor of or against, you know, the motion that the sword was greater than the pen, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Funny days. But 
I think my father wanted me to have a taste of both. See, my father wanted me to be a soldier. He wanted me to either fight physically or fight with the pen. I guess that's why he got me in the book and the gun. You know, I would, I would never really know, but he got me two, two things that I loved, and it turned out to be one of my best memories. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you about my father, the carpenter. Yeah, back in the days, my father was, he owned a furniture company. So I heard my mom told me, and I guess as as I grew up, I got to know just a little bit of it. Um, my mother told me I was born in the north. My mother told me I was born in Kano. Or Kaduna, I'm not sure now, okay. Uh, but I was born in the north and my father had this for the chalk company. Company, I beg your pardon. And he had he had people working for him, you know, it, it was huge and he was quite good at it. He was so good, you know, he made he made furniture for different companies asides individuals and all and he had he had you know people from different walks of life working for him people from different tribes i remember he had um a man from ghana what was his name mensa mensa um mensa was one of his favorite workers you know one of his favorite staff because mensa was so good at his job and for some reason as a kid i was i was very fond of mensa and my mother used to tell me that whenever mensa was working you know with his hammer and stuff i would i would try to drag the hammer from him you know i wouldn't let him work and then my father bought me a very small hammer a very small cute hammer um when i grew up i still had that hammer come to think of it i don't know what happened to that hammer but anyway uh, my father got me a very small hammer um so whenever mensa was working and i would be somewhere around watching him and just hitting stuff you know it was fun until the day mensa tried to steal me as a child yeah my mother said mensa tried to run away for whatever reason it was, um, he packed his bag and he was going to take me to Ghana. <laughs> and she found him. That's story for another day. Um, let me tell you about my father. The accountant. My father used to work for an oil and gas servicing firm. I think that's what it was in those days. It was called um, National Oil. And my father was 
one of the accountants there. I see one of the um, fondest memories I have from his days of work there is following him to the office, you know, <laughs> sitting with him all day, meeting his colleagues and people who would come in and oh, oh, Fred Jr., oh, look at you, looking just like your father, blah, 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 blah. And I would just sit there wondering what people did all day because the only thing I saw my father do was, you know, punching a few, uh, just write stuff. Yeah, write stuff on different pieces of paper, um, punching numbers on the calculator, answer the telephone, which turned out to be, you know, an intercom or something or whatever it was you know those old phones that used to have like the ring on it where you dial the numbers by you know turning the ring and stuff yeah and every time the phone rang it had this very loud piercing sound you know that would make you jump if you were not ready and i guess my father was used to it so he was always ready but every time he rang i was always jumping you know turning and he would look at me with a smile or something and i was curious you know I wanted to hold the phone, listen to it, because all I ever saw him do was, you know, pick up the phone, say hello, keep quiet, nod, say yes, say no, sometimes make a full sentence, you know, sometimes just drop the phone and say, I'll be back, or sometimes shout or scream. I always wondered, you know, whatever happened at the other end of the line. I don't think I'd ever spoken on the telephone before, so I always wondered what it was. <laughs> it was it was mechanical. I think one day I lifted the phone while he stepped out of the office and I just heard a tone. I wasn't sure what to expect, but I think I dropped the phone that day before he came back. And maybe sometime later um during one of my visits i had the opportunity of talking to maybe a colleague or something on the phone yeah yeah i spoke to a colleague who asked me what i wanted for lunch and it was magical just hearing someone's voice you know on that small piece yeah and back then in my father's office they had these you know end of year parties that they organized and the children of all the staff would gather on a particular day it was usually before christmas so um they had santa claus back then we used to call them father christmas yeah santa claus my ass father christmas will be there um excuse me Father Christmas, Santa Claus, whichever works for you. You know, that guy with the long white beard and uh, glasses and red suits, red body suits and black boots was always there, you know. And after the parting and uh, the choreography in those days, um, would go sit on Santa's legs and he will ask us what we wanted for Christmas and we'll just blab about something or cry or something. I never cried though. Never. 
and he would hand us you know a gift i remember we never used to open it until we got home later that day and by the time we opened this it was always always something really amazing something different from last year you know i think they stopped those parties for kids who were above 12 you know but it was for 12 all the way down to maybe three or so and i remember as a kid i always looked forward to you know the end of year parties because i always knew i was going to get something you know it, it was fun and then there were the trips um i remember my first trip to um the water refinery yeah it was weird having to walk beside you know what do they call those things they, they were like silos you know so huge i remember the rain house i remember the rain house i, I think it was just some type of place that was built to keep the entire refinery cool or the engines cool because you know it was constantly raining in there whether or not it was raining outside i mean that's how i remember it as a kid because you enter that place and water was falling from the roof like it was raining i think you know somehow they had a way of recycling the water and sending it back up and then the water came back down cooler I guess they have, you know, better technology now. But I remember the rain house. I don't think I was up to 10. Yeah. It, it was funny, you know. It was funny. Um, let me tell you about my father. The farmer. <laughs> it was cute. Now that I think about it, I think it was really cute. Maybe cute is not a word. It was, it was good that um, my father had a farm wherever it is we were in the world. We never left the country as far back as I know, but um, my father always had a farm. I mean, we left the north, we moved to Benin City. Um, we, we, we moved around a lot as a kid, okay? Um, but I remember my days in Benin City. My father had this farm very far from the house. I think it was way after Uniben or so. And sometimes, you know, once in a very long while, we used to go to that farm on Saturdays. My father would get pickup from, to get, you know, trucks from, from the office, national oil trucks. Yeah, with drivers because he was some type of boss there and they would come to the house and would load the trucks you know with tools and you know would wear rain boots and wear farm clothes you know it was like an adventure to us because we were always looking forward to it but it never happened as often as we wanted as kids of course my older siblings and and my father's wives you know were not really looking forward to it that way because they had to walk. All we had to do as kids was run around the farm, you know, try to chase rabbits if we ever, if we're lucky enough to find any, you know, catch ants. Um, just look out for weird stuff. And the food, it was the same food we ate at home, but it always tasted different when you were in the farm. 
you know, they give us this feeling of, you know, going on an adventure. Um, we would act like we were running from stuff, from evil stuff, and then we had to pause to eat. It was different when you had to improvise, you know. We were used to using, you know, spoons and, and forks and knives at home. And then when we're in the farm, we would have to improvise, you know, wash your hands from the table water once, you know. When you're done eating, probably dry them on your clothes or on on leaves, you know. And if you had to use the toilet <laughs> in the farm, you would have to go dig a hole somewhere, you know, do whatever it is you need to do there, cover it up, you know. It, it was fun. We were kids. We had everything we needed, but it was just fun that my father made us produce almost everything we ate all year round on the farm. I mean, come to think of it, it's it's the type of spirit we need in a country like this, the way the country is right now. If we all could produce our own food, I guess not here in Lagos anyway. Let me tell you about my father, the taker. I call him the taker because uh, it's the most respectful thing I can call him. But he did take things that didn't belong to him. Um, my father had it really good at National Oil and that's the only place I remember him working as a kid. I know he had worked in other places. Okay, so aside from the furniture business, which later you know crumbled due to mismanagement, and of course the staff left and all the money he ever made he spent them <coughs> marrying new wives or he wasn't a gambler so he I, I really can't remember how he spent his money I just know that he he was always losing money okay but my father was a taker my father embezzled so much money from National Oil in those days that he stopped going to work out of fear. I remember the days when he would make us fast and pray. You know, as young as I was then, you know, to the last baby in the house, we would all fast because he would always say the auditors are coming. You know, as a child, I had no idea what that meant, but the auditors, you know, came to mean something that was really terrible for me growing up. It was only recently I found out it, it literally meant auditors and you only had to be afraid wherever it is you worked if you hadn't been a good boy. And boy, my father was a bad boy. So every time the auditors were coming, he made us fast and pray, you know. We were always praying for what I don't know. We were praying. And it's only now that I'm grown that I remember. I, I figured all that prayer was so he didn't get caught, you know. But being who he was, the taker that he was, he, he kept on taking, you know. He always took stuff that didn't belong to him.
until one day he just quit quit his job you know didn't go back there of course you know what kind of effect this will have on the rest of us you know my father had many wives many children they all depended on him he was you know the sole breadwinner of the house and imagine that you know he woke up one day and decided to quit because he literally couldn't go to work he would have he would have been arrested you know or sent to prison or something because he had taken so much money he had taken so much money and so he let you know his own selfish actions affect the lives of his entire family he put the rest of us you know through a lot because because of his own selfish reasons but that's not how i want to talk about him today let me tell you about my father the giver yeah as much as he was a taker he he gave he gave things to people you know the people around him always had something to get from him something to benefit from him and i think that he did this a little too much because um because one day he traveled home <coughs> and built a fence around the community shrine yeah back then in delta they had you know some of like some of the things you see in nollywood yeah they had it there they had like a whole shrine and because he was a politician you know for some type of recognition or comes think of it now i think it was obviously just a political move because you know he he built a fence around that big ass shrine and the leader of the town the king whatever it is he was you know was so happy with him that they decided to reward him with a new wife <laughs> no shit guys no shit they literally said hey thank you for what you've done for the community um what can we give you uh oh that's a young girl maria oh but i have like three wives already oh it doesn't matter just make out the fourth one i mean you've got the money you know you have the resources just come on take her in and i remember then I think I was about 9. I was just I had just written, you know, common entrance. I was getting ready to um going to secondary school and I did really good. And I got accepted into John F Kennedy. It, it was, you know, a school that was affiliated with, you know, the American embassy. And I was so excited because I was getting ready to go. that was when my father quit his job and he took just me and he went home relocated 
just so he could live with the new wife. So it was just me, himself, and the new wife. You know, the rest of the family was in Benin. And I remember the lonely nights, you know, some of the loneliest days of my life were those days, the days I spent with him and that woman. You know, I remember the nights I cried and the days I cried and I was always crying. And, you know, my father kept on asking me, what is it? What is it? Why are you crying? Is she maltreating you? Are you not happy? You know, as a kid, I expected him to figure it all out, you know, that come on, can't you see that I am not happy because of what you're doing, you know, but I, I never got the balls to tell him. I did tell him one day that if you marry this girl, everything will change. I don't know why I said that, but as a child, I figured it out and I told him. Um, for whatever it is that was speaking through me then, you know, everything turned out to be right. Everything changed, you know that was the beginning of the great fall um terrible lonely days let me tell you about my father the fighter yeah i remember him as a very stubborn man sometimes i think i got you know that beat from from him because my father went to war with everyone. <laughs> my father went to war with everyone. His wives, his, his children, his brothers, his office. I mean, people at work, his neighbors. <laughs> my father was a fighter, you know. My father was a very proud man. And I think sometimes his ego got in the way, got in the way of everything. Um, and try to keep this as positive as possible. So I will skip a whole lot of details, but I remember this one time, this one memory stood out, you know. My father was, you know, very deep into politics. And uh, one time DSS came looking for him at home and because we were all, you know, trained to protect the family, no matter what, we recognized strangers. And I remember those three men in black suits coming that day and asking me, is your father home? And naturally, I, as a kid, I knew that men in black suits and white shirts were not regular policemen or whatever it is they were, you know, I just, I just said no. He was in there watching me through the window. My stepmother came out from the house that day. They asked her, is your husband at home? And she said no. And they asked her to follow her, follow them to uh, the station. And the, the moment she left, we didn't see her for another two weeks. She was what I call a prisoner of DSS. And my father was home all that time, barely doing anything about it, you know. And as a child, I couldn't remember how I felt 
I remember actually how I felt, you know, every time because I was worried. I couldn't sleep, but here he was, not doing anything. Uh, that's a long story, but let me tell you about my father. The non-fighter, the part of him that never fought, the part of him that I wish was a fighter. You know, the part of him that never fought for the good things that he had, the part of him that never fought for his family, the part of him that never fought to bring peace to his very large family, the part of him that never fought for his children. I saw my my father last at age 14, and I haven't seen him for at least another 22 years, you know. And my father had other kids. And they all remember him differently. Let me tell you about my father. My father died on Monday, the 15th of February this year. Nothing has been the same ever since. 